If you enjoy these podcasts, check out Enrico Signoretti's reports and blogs on gigaohm.com. They're about data storage and cloud computing, addressing all the topics covered in Voices in Data Storage. Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of Voices in Data Storage brought to you by Gigon. I'm your host, Enrico Signoretti, and today we will talk about a new industry initiative around data storage. This initiative was launched a few weeks ago by Western Digital and it's called Zone Storage. Helping me uh, going uh, through all the details about Zone Storage, uh, today I have uh, Martin Fink, CTO of Western Digital, and uh, Chris Berge, uh, Senior VP of Devices. Hi guys, how are you today? I'm doing great, thanks uh, Enrico. I hope you're doing great as well. So, um, Western Digital, why don't we start to, with a little bit of background about your company? I know that everybody sh- that works in data storage should know about it, but, you know, just to, to, to start with uh, a little bit of information about uh, Western Digital and why we are here today. Sure, Enrico, this is Chris. Um, so Western Digital uh, is a global leader in storage. Uh, we're actually kind of the coming together of three large storage companies between uh, traditional Western Digital, uh, Hitachi Global Storage, and then most recently SanDisk, which brought the NAND portfolio um, to part of Western Digital. So we're offering a full array of products from traditional hard drives to capacity enterprise drives, as well as flash products for both endpoints and data centers. Fantastic. So, we talking about zone storage. Before going uh, um, into the details about what it is and what are the benefits uh, of zone storage, why don't we start with the the um, the needs? Why why we st- you started thinking about zone storage? So let me. This is Martin. Uh, let me take a little bit of a crack at that because I think there's um, there's a couple of angles to it. Uh, one, quite frankly, is uh, customer pull, um, and probably the most important is when our customers are beginning initiatives on their own to try and maximize uh, the amount of information they can store at the lowest possible cost, and they're essentially telling the industry that the devices and capabilities that they're getting from the industry aren't quite meeting their needs. Um, we have to listen to that. So that was definitely a significant part of beginning the zone storage initiative um, is uh, feedback from the customer. Um, The next part is that uh, Western Digital is in this unique position of being both in the hard drive business and in the NAND flash business. And as a consequence of really being uh, deeply engaged in both, we essentially saw an opportunity where these technologies can come together, especially at the software level, to really um, bring a new set of capabilities where our customers can leverage a singular software stack to be able to um, talk to both the hard drive and the flash in this new zone storage mechanism that maximizes the amount of data they can store at the lowest cost per bit with various performance options they can choose from. So, so it was really this combination of you know, the customer pull and this unique capability around uh, being exposed to both the hard drive space 
and the NAND flash space um, that really um, kickstarted this initiative for us. So we're talking about uh, large customers here, maybe hyperscalers, okay? They want to store uh, huge amounts of data in the cheapest possible way. And you are uh, started to think about how you can leverage you know, both uh, uh, NVMe flash uh, down to the, the biggest of the hard drives, right? And put them together in a... Um, end-to-end architecture that can help them to achieve uh, uh, also performance in this picture, right? Um, yes. So um, the in the hard drive space, our hyperscaler customers, as you, as you talked about, some of them had started to use a capability known as SMR or shingled magnetic recording in order to be able to get more utilization and be able to store more data uh, on the devices. And this SMR or shingle magnetic recording capability required them to do, uh, to use a special software layer that's uh, now part of the Linux kernel um, in order to be able to leverage the capabilities of shingle magnetic recording. And then again, because we were also um, in the NAND flash business, uh, we saw a very similar capability evolving on the flash side and an extension of the um, uh, NVMe standard called Zoned Namespaces, or ZNS. And um, we saw the opportunity to essentially use the exact same software stack or evolve the same software stack that we'd been using for SMR on the hard drive side for those zone namespaces flash SSDs. And that's the part that also really started to get the attention of our customers. I'm a little bit confused now because uh, I totally agree with you. Okay, SMR needs uh, something that organizes information before they reach the the, the drive, okay? Uh, because mechanism around it. But, uh, you know, the, the industry told me that um, uh, Flash is totally different story, okay? Why we are starting about, uh, talking about this also for Flash devices? Um, because that the, the, that same software that stages all of the the device writes um, up on the host is the capability that the flash devices use for ZNS, and as a result, moving all of that work of of staging the writes for video data, IoT data, that kind of data on the host, what it allows us to do is create a flash device with a significant a reduction in DRAM and a significant reduction in over-provisioning. So it's those capabilities that are now very, very similar to SMR on the hard drive side, this notion of staging the data on the host before we write it to the device. Uh, this also means that uh, with the advent of uh, 3D QLC NAND, uh, we will have uh, an improvement uh, also in uh, performance for these devices. Yeah, Enrique, I, th I think you're not confused. Actually, the you know the you know the reason that an SSD is able to handle random writes or you know you know as you kind of mentioned doesn't have the limitations of SMR um, is because we actually basically build a translation layer between the NAND media and the host, and that translation layer was required. 
um, to make it look like a hard drive, which was the initial you know, application for SSDs, where we had built up hard drives and we wanted to drop in uh, maybe faster alternative, which was an SSD. Um, but as, as mentioned, that actually causes quite a bit of cost and also things like over-provisioning um, and really inefficiencies. Because if you, if you go all the way to the NAND media, um, we actually have to write to that uh, fairly sequentially as well because of the way that you know, NAND needs to be raced at the block level. And so there's a lot of management that actually occurs by the SSD and actually programming the bits and, and erasing the bits. And so what we're doing with ZNS is actually simplifying that, um, much like we do on SMR that does, does leverage sequentialization of the data, um, while still giving you all the advantage of random read performance. Um, and, and, it, and, and you're right, and then that also prepares us to take advantage of new technologies like QLC, where you know, maybe there's additional trade-offs on write performance, but you still get very high performance reads. So um, you know, I think that the, the similarities are a lot closer than people realize. And this is uh, the synergy that we see between our HDD and our NAND divisions. But does it also mean that in the future we'll see uh, more optimized device? I mean, meaning part of this uh, um, stack, okay? So once it was the emulation of their drive, now that you have NVMe, you're moving some of this uh, uh, intelligence to the, to the host uh, that organizes information. Does it mean that we will have uh, uh, faster devices or even more efficient devices from this point of view? And probably also uh, from the economic perspective, uh, cheaper devices, cost-effective Okay, so let, let me try to see if I can segment this clearly. Um, the zone storage initiative, SMR and ZNS drives are really targeted at a capacity um, uh, workload. So where you need a significant amount of capacity and you need reasonably good read performance. That is a very distinct segment from, we'll call it the high performance uh, space where a conventional enterprise um, SSD, which is another part of our portfolio. So I think it would really help the listeners to kind of really keep in their minds separate that the zone storage initiative is about low cost, high capacity with reasonable read performance. So our goal in zone storage is not to achieve the high performance, high throughput, everything about NVMe and fabrics and all of those things. We have a separate category of products for that. So that's a a, a sort of a simple way to just keep it uh, separate in your mind. Okay, very good. So, uh, but that doesn't change uh, uh, much. I mean, you will get, uh, so by taking advantage of the uh, zone storage techniques, you, you will be able to get cheaper devices or even uh, more efficient devices. Yeah, you will basically get the lowest um, uh, TCO or the, and the lowest cost per bit uh, for a given performance point using zone storage. But Enrique, I, I would highlight that, you know, that may not even be the most compelling part of ZNS. Uh, one of the most compelling parts is actually the idea of um, being able to add this intelligence of data groups or data streams. So, for example, uh, a host may know that 
you know, let's say a few gigabytes of data are going to be placed on the drive, um, that it knows there's a high probability that they would want to access that all at the same time or erase all of that at the same time. Well, if they can actually provide the drive that intelligence that that data set should be placed locally on the drive in the physical locations that are adjacent, um, that actually has the opportunity to drastically not just impact the performance, but impact endurance, reliability, and all those kinds of things. Because in today's drives, you know, we're, we've got a fixed algorithm that's maybe making some assumptions on what data should go together, but it doesn't have the capabilities at the host level um, that's provided. So yes, we're leveraging costs. Yes, we're leveraging getting to the highest capacities possible, but there's a tremendous amount of value at the system level uh, with this type of solution and with this type of intelligence. Okay, do you expect that uh, um, uh, alongside Hyperscale, you will have uh, support uh, for this initiative from large enterprises or you know any uh, other kind of uh, end users as well? So I, I believe the answer is yes, Enrique. Um, the you know what you saw even if you look at the hyperscale um, transition right they when they started they were building the biggest baddest servers they could build um you know again using traditional architectures and only you know say 10 years ago did they start pivoting and saying you know what we could do this better because of our size and scale and they started looking at things like distributed computing they started using different types of file system capabilities, um, different type of redundancies at, at different levels. So that's, those techniques have been driven by you know, the hyperscalers. And you do see these technologies trickle down into the more traditional markets and the more traditional applications. And so that's really what this initiative is attempting to do is to share some of these product concepts, product ideas with the larger ecosystem to drive a wider adoption. Because it is, it is a little different and scary for people uh, where it's definitely not just redoing or doing what you were doing previously. Um, creating file systems, creating systems that are able to sequentialize data um, is not simplistic. And that's why Martin said that, you know, it's not for all parts of the data center. You are going to have workloads that are going to be close to the processor that you will want to keep quite random. Uh, but that's not actually the largest portion of the data growth today, uh, which is able to take advantage of many of these new techniques. Yes. And also with the um, growth inside that we are seeing uh, in uh, SSD devices on one side and also these SMR drives. I, I think your roadmap talks about 20, 25 terabyte drives in, uh, in less than two years from now, right? So it's important to organize information better in the single device and uh, in, the, in the entire rack. Yeah, so we, one of the things that we announced a few weeks ago was that we were demonstrating our 20 terabyte device um, that we plan to bring to market next year, um, and that's leveraging SMR technology. Um, and we do expect that actually 50% of our bits that we ship on hard drives 
will be SMR based by 2023. So that's not too far from now. Um, but what we also see is the capabilities of the technologies that when people re-architect their systems to take advantage of SMR hard drives or QLC, uh, S SSDs, um, that the technology barrier, we're able to really achieve another step function of bit growth and, and cost per bit. So that's really the, the big payoff over time. These architectures take time for implementation, but there's a significant payoff over time. And uh, one question that comes up, you know, to my mind right now is, okay, so we are planning for the future. So zone storage architectures, and okay, but what happens if I have a mix of, uh, uh, you know, old hard drives and new hard drives in the same uh, uh, data center? Can, can I take advantage of the same libraries, of the same methods to, to write on older drives as well? Um, that's probably not going to be the best way to do this because one is you must have an SMR hard drive to take advantage of it. And then... Um, using a high-performance um, flash drive is probably not the most uh, sort of effective use of your capital resources. So I think it is a it's it would be better for customers as they look at their data center to deploy the new workloads that have a high sequential write profile onto new SMR and ZNS drives, and then perhaps uh, redeploy their existing fleet of devices to applications that can leverage the performance of those devices. I see, I see. And um, what about developers? Where they can find uh, information about uh, zone storage? Enrico, um We've actually started it as part of this uh, initiative, um, zonestorage.io. So that's Z-O-N-E-D-C-O-R-A-G-E.io. And this site is intended to really help developers understand what work has been done, what's available on the open, in the open source community, um, some of the partners and um, supporters of of this effort and of the general industry move to zone storage. So that's where I would recommend um, developers start. And we are very open to additional contrib contributions, um, additional concepts and ideas. But that's the, that's the place where developers should start. And we're really trying to support and encourage a, a large open community in support of this effort. Because um, as I mentioned, it does take some time. It is a significant change. Um, but as, as kind of Martin mentioned, you know, there is just such an onslaught of data coming. Much of it is highly sequentialized from an IoT or video point of view, uh, but there are obviously opportunities to even look at traditional workloads and how you sequentialize those. Um, so it, it is a, it's a, it's a difficult task, but it's a necessary one. And, and we see, we see success happening and we're just looking for a larger uh, ecosystem of support. And we think it's essential for the industry to grow and uh, and to support the data growth that's really upon us today. So uh, you you are uh, looking also for partners then. I mean, and which kind of which kind of partners in that case? Well, I think that you know Western Digital has 
established itself as a very open company and we're very supportive of open initiatives. Martin has been a big part of that. And, uh, but I think that there's a lot of requirements at the data, um, database level, uh, at the OS level, um, at the, as well as at the hardware level of support. So it, it's an open initiative right now. Yeah. So that, that's a, a great point. So the, uh, everything that we're doing related to zone storage is an open source initiative. And so we have been doing most of the work on the Linux kernel level. But then as we start moving into file systems, databases, and more of the middleware space, that's where getting um, more, more help from the developer ecosystem in each of those open source projects um, would be, you know, it'd be great. It'd be phenomenal, right? It'd be allowing um, all of those open source projects to take advantage of that increased capacity at a lower cost. And then, but we also want, and the reason why all of this is also open source, we want the end user, the customers who have the actual data that needs to be stored to also have access to all of those open APIs so that they can prepare um, their data and get ready for um, all of the various devices for zone storage. So that's kind of like the uh, the layers in the stack, as it were. So, and uh, do you have uh, any partner or other industry vendors supporting this initiative uh, already? So this is a very early initiative, and uh, one of the things to keep in mind is that we're building upon a leadership of SMR that we've built over the past number of years. So an example customer that's been an early adopter of SMR is Dropbox. Now, we've got other partners in the ecosystem like Broadcom, SUSE, Atto, and others um, that are also doing that. The um, On the flash side, the ZNS standard will be ratified later this year. Um, and so that's a little bit, um, uh, it's a little bit early on the flash side, uh, but we definitely expect um, the, because we've had a lot of customer pull and we've, we have been speaking to customers, uh, we expect more and more customers to uh, get on board to the zone storage initiative um, as a result of being able to use that one software ecosystem for both their SMR fleet and their zone namespace drive fleet. Yeah, Enrico, the other thing I might add is, you know, beyond the NVMe working group, which there's a lot of interest, as Martin mentioned, um, you can actually also look at the Open Compute Project, um, and you can see there's quite a few submissions and discussions around ZNS, and um, there's a lot of good information there as well. So listening to you, the, the, the initiatives looks very interesting for uh, hyperscaler, people that already adopted SMR, and uh, maybe maybe there is an interest also from other organizations like uh, Open Computer Project and uh, uh, things like that. Am I right? Yes, Enrico, you're right. Um, I believe if you go back to the Open Compute Summit that occurred this spring, um, you can find quite a bit of ZNS discussion uh, in some of the presentations and, and working groups. Uh, we also plan to uh, be a part of the Amsterdam OCP event coming up this fall where we're going to do more discussions around uh, ZNS and our zone storage initiative. 
that was a fantastic introduction, I think, about zone storage. Thank you very much, guys. To wrap up this episode, I want to give again the link for the, where you can start to learn more about zone storage, which is zonestorage.io. And uh, if you want to, um, and you can start from there to get the uh, technical information, open source libraries, tool, and resources for uh, data center architects. Uh, thank you again, Martin and Chris, for your time today. And bye-bye. Um, thank you, Enrico. Thank you, Enrico. If you enjoyed this episode of Voices in Data Storage, please check out the other ones. Unstructured data management is the focus of a report Enrico wrote for GigaOM Research. To find out more about how data storage is evolving in the cloud era, download the single report or subscribe to GigaOM Research for future forward advice on data-driven technologies, operations, and business strategies.